Hey guys, it's season four of The Rosin Diaries. I hope you've been enjoying it so far and we have lots more to talk about. So we are on to episode eight of season four and today we're going to talk about queen consorts and footballers. That's soccer for you guys in the States. podcast a little late in the day today I'm recording it while doing my makeup for stage it <laughs> so yeah I you're basically sitting in my dressing room while I do my makeup and so you can hear that's a bottle with hardly any primer left in it so you're basically yeah having a chat with me warming up for stage it and as it is like that I'm going to be talking more gossipy and you know things just that come to mind for me so the first thing we're going to talk about is Camilla, our soon to be, well hopefully not soon to be actually, our one day to be Queen Consort here in the UK. So um, it was announced this week by the Queen that when the Queen passes and Prince Charles is will ascend to King, that Camilla will now be our Queen Consort and it's been mixed with, uh, met with mainly positivity there's been a f- bit of negativity mainly the whole Diana Saga Saga Diana Saga so from my point of view first I'm going to say that I was a bit too young to know most of what went on um, first hand to witness what went on first hand with um, Diana and Charles I'm obviously too young to even be around for the wedding um, um, I was alive for the funeral but I like don't really remember it too well um, but obviously everyone knows and there's been so many documentaries and you know me I love watching royal documentaries so I'm all caught up all caught up um, <laughs> but obviously Diana was such an iconic and wonderful woman but as an outsider someone who didn't live through all those moments from her holding it was i think it's quite an iconic and very important moment when she um held hands with a victim of aids during that i think it was an epidemic um i don't sorry i know what aids is i just don't know if it's called a pandemic or epidemic and pandemic's always on my lips these days but that was really things like that she did. She changed so many things in the world for the better, and she was an absolutely wonderful icon. But obviously, I have learned about that relationship through documentaries and <clears throat> The Crown, uh, which isn't always truthful. But I do understand that it's a lot more faceted and a lot more difficult than what, you know, I think at the time it was. Diana's an angel, Camilla is the baddie who's come and stolen her prince and from an outsider and from someone who wasn't there and didn't live through a lot of it, I've always seen as, in retrospect, and retrospect is 50-50, but I've always seen as like no one was a baddie in that situation. Obviously Diana was a goodie, but I don't think we need to pit women off against each other. 
So just because Dinah was a victim in that situation, it doesn't mean to say anyone was a perpetrator. And I have honest, honestly always, well, not always. I mean, I didn't think this when I was two or something. But since I've sort of been an adult and like looked at the situation more, I've always seen it through the lens that like no one was a perpetrator and everyone to an extent wasn't a victim of the situation. Dinah, the ultimate victim of that situation, obviously. But as far as it goes, I mean... The way I've seen it was that there's, like, generational unhappiness in the royal family. I mean, starting from... There's a lot of trauma in that family. Starting from the queen was never supposed to be queen, right? Um, she came from a really loving household, and, and she didn't go to school or anything. They were home-educated. They were really close-knit, and they were, like... He, her dad was the second son, the one who wasn't supposed to do anything. He had a... I think many of us know this. He had a speech impediment. He was shy. But he was a great father, by all accounts, and a great husband. And then when his brother abdicated, that's when he um, became king. And it, it was a lot of trouble for him. So I'm trying to find my foundation. I've lost that. It was a lot of trouble for him, obviously. Also, I'm not speaking to anyone who knows the royal family, but just from what I gather. Um, it was a lot of trouble for him. It was a lot of, um, sort of anxieties to overcome, huge social anxieties. But more importantly for the whole family, their lives changed because they were no longer this close-knit family. They all had a role, responsibility, a duty that had to come before themselves, their family and everything. And so that changed the whole trajectory of their family. The Queen, I feel, is never been someone who likes the limelight. Her younger sister, Margaret, seemed to like it more. But she was always like her dad, you know, quite shy, quite dutiful. And I think she wanted nothing more than to be a housewife. But the plan was for her that she would get to be a housewife for a bit. So when she married Philip, her dad was still pretty young. She was young when she married. And she had two children. And they lived... Children's? Yeah children that's plural and they lived in somewhere like Maldives or somewhere you know like um sort of um Mediterranean Morocco kind of way and he was a royal naval soldier and she got to be though she was a princess at the time she got to be a um dutiful kind of housewife and she really that was not everyone wants that but more did in those days and she definitely liked sort of playing housewife and being a mother um, unfortunately, that was cut short because her father seemed to take up chain smoking from the second he became king through the stress and he died of lung cancer. And that's when I, they're all victim situations. So from about the age of three or four, Charles's mum was no longer his mum. She didn't get to spend... For those first years of being a queen, she had to put her all into it, so she was not around a lot. She had to be pulled from what she was planning to do to what she had to do, and royal duty came first. Um, suddenly, nannies replaced his mum, suddenly... And the dad took over a lot of the education. And the big worry from Prince... Prince Philip is like a real man's man. He loves, like, the outdoors. He loves being manly in a manly way. He likes... And what is really sudden... Charles, again, inherited from, more from his mum's side of the family, is a very delicate child, by all counts. I don't know, I wasn't there. And um, he he liked playing the cello. He was very delicate. He was um, very shy. And his sister was the complete opposite of him. She was like this, pretty much a clone of Prince Philip really rugged, nothing could harm her, really boisterous. And so it's very two contrasting children. But 
but from the dad's point of view also by the way um philip another bit of trauma there he had to be smuggled out of greece in an orange crate because the greek monarchy were pulled down he was a prince they were overthrown many of them killed and he was smuggled out in an orange crate and he was sort of like a penniless prince in the uk and so he also has a bit of trauma the worry i mean some of his sisters they, they had to marry off his mum ended went into an asylum for um because she turned mad from the whole thing mary's family killed some of his sisters were married off to germans who later on become nazis and then one of his favorite sister died in an airplane crash in all that so you know there's a lot of trauma there that was when he was a boy and his fear is to keep the monarchy safe because he knows the fragility of the monarchy so looking at his fragile little son who would much rather play dollies and play the cello to doing anything. And in those days also, strength was seen as manly physical strength. And Charles is not a manly physical boy. Now, Harry loves all that, doesn't he? He was in the army. Not so much, Charles. Um, so his big concern was to toughen him up because he knows one day he's going to have that crown rest on his head and he has to carry the burden of it. I don't think he was wrong in his love for his child. I don't think he was wrong in trying for his child. But I think his worries were mis... In retrospect, his worries were misplaced. And it was through social conditioning that he believed there was something sort of like not strong enough about his son. So he... Can, well, he, he was in charge of that. The Queen always let him be in charge of, you know, home stuff because she was, like, in charge of the country. And so it gave him a sense of, you know, like, not just being under the thumb by her. And so he decided to send Charles to Gordonstone or Gorgonstone, which is, like, this Scottish boarding school. All aristocrats and royalties sent their kids off to boarding school at those times, but Gordonstone is a completely different one. It's basically, it doesn't even have any windows or anything. In the Scottish Highland, it's freezing cold. The kids have to, like, run miles every morning before breakfast. Um, they have to bathe in ice-cold showers. It's like boot camp times a million. And Charles was, it's the most abusive experience for a child like him ever. And he was really traumatised around the whole thing. So now, fast forward. This was a traumatised little boy that did not feel loved by his parents and felt rejected and also when he went off to boarding school they had two more kids because once the queen's life calmed down and she got into the role of being a queen she wanted to have some more children so she could actually spend time with children because she was robbed of her first two so i don't think anyone is a bad person in this situation but mistakes were made um and charles had a terrible terrible you know it was a terrible upbringing but not through not through abuse or through willfulness of everyone it was just like poor circumstances and poor choices to overcome those circumstances so that is the young man that charles became a very i mean looking back in the press now of like what was it like the 60s 70s or something um let me think perhaps 70s 70s i'm gonna say he was seen as the most eligible bachelor. You know, looking back, I think people overplay how good-looking royals are because he wasn't that good-looking, but he was the most eligible bachelor. He was on a yacht. He was never settling down. Meanwhile, he's got all the duty talk from his family again because Charles finally getting some freedom. 
is trying to live his life. And it's the first time ever he's feeling a bit in control and feeling a bit manly. He's always felt not manly enough compared to his dad. And now women are throwing themselves at him. So he's like, he doesn't want to settle down. He's getting close to 30 and his family are getting on about him. They need an heir and everything. He needs to start doing his duty and take things seriously. And so he, at this time as well, he was falling in love with Camilla. She, th one thing didn't lead to another, one thing went wrong or another. They, they were together before she got married, but then they never actually got together. She wasn't seen as suitable, maybe not suitable enough or whatever in the wrong place. She ended up marrying someone else. They continue to have an affair. But obviously Camilla's out of the picture. He can never marry her. Because back in those days. And this is nothing to do with like the queen or anything. But through court tradition. Which should be shunned probably by the British public. Who are hypocrites by the way. As much as anyone else. Um, he had to marry a virgin in those days. I don't know when they stopped the practice. But I'm don't, I think Diana had to have it done. They get, do a. They used to do. I believe Diana had to have this. A like an examination by a doctor. To make sure you are a virgin. I don't know if it stopped by the time it was Diana. But it was like pretty recent. Um, I don't, I'm pr like 9 million percent sure that Kate and um, Megan didn't have to go through that. But I think possibly Diana did. Anywho, she was seen as perfect for him. He he started dating her first of all. It wasn't like an arranged marriage. But, you know, he dated her a few times. The family met her. Like, love her. She comes from the right family. She seems nice. She's very glamorous. She talks really nicely. Never occurred to anyone that she was a teenager and this was a 30-year-old man. He seemed, you know, after a few dates, she was nice. She was fun. She was lively. She was up. She was everything. Dinah, just like Harry, can make people fall in love. We all fall in love with him. However, for long term, they barely knew each other when they got engaged. Again, pressure, pressure, pressure from the family. He needs to do his duty. Um, so he gets engaged, but he barely knows this girl. Sorry, I'm just tapping some powder now. So he barely knows this girl, and he's engaged to her. She, being the young girl that she is, doesn't not have much experience of relationships and everything, but she believes in fairy tales and stuff. Again, comes from a very, very bleak background, despite... And this is why I'm saying money can't buy you love. People call these people privileged. They're not really. Her mum left her, and she was just rambling around their castle until she went to boarding school again. It's, it's very tragic upbringings, these people. So she comes from a very lonely childhood, and all she's ever wanted is someone to love her, and now she's got a charming prince, the most eligible bachelor in the world, saying... That he loves only wants to marry her. Well, actually, if we look at the interviews, he didn't say that. That was like a big thing she brought up when they said, "Oh, you love him, shit, of course we are." And then Charles went, "Whatever, lovers." <laughs> but again, I don't think Charles is a bad person. I don't, and definitely Diana's not a bad person. They're just—it's just so looking back from a modern perspective, clearly wrong. But it never dawned on anyone that age gap. You know, why would it matter if she's that young? More likely to do she's told probably. Well, this one weren't doing what she's told, was she? So they get married, and surprise, surprise, it's a complete and utter disaster. But unlike the average woman of the past, Diana's not one to put up and shut up. He starts his affair again with Camilla, who has always been the love of his life. He would have married Camilla if he could have. But not just by the royals, by social standards of the day, it was seen... And also, I'm going to say, the royals are always moving, like, 20 to 50 years. And, and the British public expect it. We, like, if... I mean, Kate's just done the bedtime stories on CBeebies, but seriously, they're moving forward quite a bit now, the um, younger royals. 
but we still really hold them to like a higher standard than any they're like our version of the pope they're really by high standards so he was never allowed to marry a divorcee or like camilla so anyway, he starts his affair with camilla again and diana's devastated we know the rest of the story and how that went but i think they're all victims they're victims of a society that won't let them just live their lives and be happy i think if if he lived his life and was happy and was allowed to marry who he wants, he would never marry Diana. At the same time, Diana, if you know, it, it's just it's it's a tragic, tragic, tragic story. But I don't feel that Camilla, who arguably I know this is terrible, but you can arguably say that he was hers first. Yeah, you know, they were both in love way before that like, he knew Diana. And I think the tragedy isn't that Camilla took her man. The tragedy for me is that Diana, as a naive child, wasn't even aware of all that situation or how the world works or anything. And she was just expected to be this quiet breeder. And that was, yeah, probably the biggest travesty of all. But I don't hate Camilla for it. And I think, to be honest, she makes... Charles is such a, a less angry person now than he was in the past. By all counts, he's a much better father. Camilla is the one person in the world where Charles gets to be who he wants to be. Charles gets to be the best of himself instead of the worst. And so I think they are meant to be together. I think they're one of the greatest love, modern love stories. And I am all for her being queen um, consort. I was going to say queen regent because I watched way too much Game of Thrones. I'm all for it. I think they're in love. Um, I don't think... I don't, I don't see why, in order to raise one woman, we have to put another one down. And we can't see that, yeah, Diana was a goddess. And Diana was such an epic icon. And the work she did was absolutely amazing. But I don't see why we can say that while we don't have to pull down Camilla. And I don't want to compare and contrast them. It's a done thing where people can compare and contrast their looks. or anything. We all know who's going to outclass who and everything. But I think Camilla and Charles, they'll make, you know, once upon a time, I couldn't really see Charles being a very, like, it would just be a, like, a stop-by king until we get to William. But now I feel like he'll really make an impact. The stuff Charles has been banging on about, our sensitive boy played the cello back in the day. He, the stuff he was banging on about in the 70s, it was seen as crazy, radical. He was told by the royal family to calm it down because he was just getting ridiculed in the press. Talking about global warming. Talking about plants. Talking about heritage and conserving... Um, well, that's my dog. Conserving buildings. Um, talking about um, eco-travel and how biofuels and all stuff like that. He, he was seen as a madman. Now, it's what everyone talks about. So I think I, I like to hear more it, you know charles has been proven to be quite like sense underneath it all yes he wasn't his father and yes he wasn't you know harry is the sporty one out along william's pretty sporty as well actually that is not our charles but i wish them all the best and so i'm glad that we will have a queen consult but hopefully not too soon and now on to soccer or as we say in the uk football so i've just got to find my eyeshadow everyone they're my drawers. <laughs> Great here. So, um, as I've always said, I'm not really into football. So some of this I missed for a well, I didn't miss. 
but I didn't know too much about it. I saw it in the newspaper. But basically, I got more into the... F I've never liked the football. I don't like really the sport. And I don't really like the footballers of the past. They all just seem to be like overpaid alcoholics who um, tend to like have a lot of strippers. And it's just like a mess. And, blah, blah, you know, just I don't want to know. It doesn't interest me. Or they just kick something, right? <laughs> but... The latest English team, I've been really into them, so I've wrote it on Twitter quite a bit. Marcus Rashford, love him, love him so much. But there's loads of them, there's like Graylish and other people. Marco, I can't remember all the names of the footballers, but Marcus Rashford is like great. But lately, I've seen bad things about the footballers, so the footballers of the past are coming back to haunt us. And it started off, I saw Graylish, one of the ones I just mentioned, from the World Cup team. He's being thrown out of a club for being drunk. It's like, oh, God, it's so obvious. Why can't you do something? You know, why do you have to be so basic as a footballer? It's all footballers do that. I thought the new footballers have been better. So he's being thrown out all drunk. And then this new thing, it's taken me days to actually look at the articles. I saw the headlines. I've heard about it. Didn't want to see it. So a footballer uh, plays for West Ham. Um, a video has been uploaded or given to some newspaper and it's basically him really abusing his pet cats. He drop kicks them, he throws them, slaps them, all that sort of stuff. It's absolutely horrendous. And yeah, it's and the unusual thing is um, that he, despite this terrible press and everything, he's yet to be prosecuted by police because it is a crime in the UK. And the second thing is that he still played for his team, West Ham. I think it was last night or the night before. So he's still... But it's gradually coming now. The RSPCA is like... It's still a big thing. But the RSPCA have now removed his pets. That's like the Royal... Right, RS. Royal Society of Protection of Cruelty to Animals. That's it. They have removed his pets. And police are now investigating him. Apparently also, I hate to say this... So there's upset because the Metropolitan Police wouldn't investigate. Turns out he doesn't live in London. Guess where he lives, guys? Essex. Oh, and there's me trying to bang on being a proud Essex person. But, um, yeah, he lives in Essex, so he's being prosecuted. But a lot of fans are like, oh, well, it's not that bad. And blah, 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 blah. And, you know, like, oh, we've got better, you know, like, it's just he shouldn't lose his job. He shouldn't lose that. I'm not saying what he shouldn't, shouldn't do. But definitely, like... It is a crime and he should be prosecuted. Another thing that's been brought up as well. I only found this out today. Because I saw a lot of people defending him. Like basically like he should be playing. and blah, blah, blah. But one thing I saw today was that people were saying that like racism's like, like there's so much racism in football. That that should be a big issue than what happens to a cat. And then I looked up him up because I don't know much about football. Um, oh, but his name's um, Kurt. Um... I have to remember this because uh, um, it's what I call Gen Z, Zuma. <laughs> They're Zoomers and still Boomers. So Kurt Zuma, but I looked him up and it turns out he's black. And a lot of people are saying it's happening to him because, you know, like people are being racist. Well, first of all, I completely agree. I wish, like we are a nation of um, animal lovers in the UK, but I do completely agree the sentiment that I wish that people would tackle racism as hard as they tackle animal rights. Um, because we are really good with the animal rights in the UK, but we're not so good with the whole like tackling racism thing, in my opinion. So I do agree with that one, but I don't think the fact 
that one negates the other. So I don't think that he shouldn't be challenged for his abuse of animals because he's black. Or we should go, oh, let's not challenge him for his abuse of animals because instead we should be tackling um, racism. I think more should be done about racism. I don't think anyone should be booing someone who takes a knee. Um, but at the same time, I still think that it was right to take his pets off him. And I think potentially he should be prosecuted. Now, um, the idea that if he's famous or because he's a footballer, that's why he's being picked on, or because he's black and that's why he's picked on and this wouldn't happen to white people. Let me tell you a story about the UK. So there was this woman, a woman, I tell you. <laughs> no, she was, like, she was the most hated woman in the UK for at least, like, a few months. Maybe a year, I don't know. Um, I had to Google her because I, I was, like, all you have to do is write woman who threw a cat in the bin into Google and you'll find this woman. So basically what happened was... She walked past someone's property. The person's cat was sitting on their, like, wheelie bin. You know, that's what, in the UK, it's where we put our, like, garbage from our house. We put it in the bin outside called a wheelie bin. It's, it's on wheels. Um, and she picked up their cat that was sitting in the bin, threw it in the bin, and put the lid down. This was caught on their CCTV cameras. They uploaded it online because they're so shocked about it. The cat was fine and everything. This woman was hounded 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 she was a hate figure okay then what happened to her is um she was tracked down by police and rspca the rspca prosecuted her she was put a fine and she has a criminal record she lost her job she was hounding down the street by teenagers you can read about this in the press um she had to end up signing on as unemployed and everything her life was destroyed because she put a can of cat in a bin so and she was a woman and she was a white woman and she wasn't famous. So I don't think he's being picked on because he's famous or because he's black. I think that we hate people who hurt animals in the UK. But I do agree that we seem to get more upset about that. Like, as a nation, there's very few people who disagree with that. Whereas people, like, are more marmite on racism. Like, there's a lot more opinions on, is it racist, is it not? You know, like oh, I don't think anyone's racist, and then they're racist. You know, there's a lot of discussion around racism where we're all quite uniform on the, like, abuse of pets. So I do get that. There's a lot of work to be done on racism in the UK. But while we're working on that work on racism, he should also be prosecuted for animal abuse. So that's where I stand on that. I thought I'd talk more about just stuff in my head today rather than, because when I talk about industry stuff, sorry, my speech is going funny now because I'm doing eyeliner. When I talk about industry stuff, then I um, tend to like need to focus more and have bullet points and stuff. But I hope you enjoy this opinionated podcast today. And I will put a question to you out on Spotify. Thank you for joining me for season four of the podcast. I hope you love to listen. Make sure you give me a follow on whatever platform you're listening on. And tell your friends and family about it. Oh, Also, if you love it so much, give it a review. A good one.